How are we doing on this great Wednesday afternoon? My name is Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR Land University Radio. I'm joined with Liam Worley as my co-host today. Liam, how's it going, man? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing good. No Chris today. Nobody else. Just you and me. So uh, we'll have a fun show. We don't have a uh, a ton of topics, I'd say, in the world of sports. You know, NFL's over. We'll, we'll get into NBA and and uh, March Madness and NCAA basketball soon, I'd say, in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, uh, it's going to ramp up. I think Auburn has uh, four regular season games before the SEC mm-hmm. tournament starts. So, yeah. you know, after about halfway through the SEC tournaments, when everybody's really on edge about making the bracket or not. Yeah, exactly. We'll get into all of that, and we'll get into predictions and March Madness. I know, like, last year we did, like, four straight shows of just March Madness of just like after each round we we're like well what happened this time what happened this time and well that's because there was just great stuff was, going on I mean it kicked off great when Ohio State lost in the first round of uh what was it Oral, Oral Roberts. Roberts yeah exactly yep. so you know we had some fun stuff there but we'll get into that later and then NBA during their all-star break we'll get we'll get into a little bit of that in the dunk contest later in this episode just because of the atrocity that it was yeah, I'd say. it's but. just it's just no fun it's no fun anymore. We'll get into that later. We'll start off, as you could probably guess, with motorsports. Liam and I, the two guys, we always talk about it. And we got a lot to going on. Daytona 500 happened this weekend. F1 testing is ramping up in Barcelona today. And uh, IndyCar is set to debut next week? This week. This weekend? Yeah. Yeah, it's in uh, St. Petersburg, St. right? St. Petersburg, right. Yeah. Where is that, actually? Because it's in the U.S. But Florida. It's Florida. Yeah, it's uh, okay. Yeah, probably yeah, 30 minutes south of uh tampa bay yeah i think i know what it is every time yeah. i hear that i just think of russia yeah well which, i mean st petersburg is you know in like, russia but, there's a big city in that in russia yeah i'm like well i know it's a mo- it's it's 100 percent american races right it's not yeah it's all in the united states uh yeah they don't race at montreal and they don't race in mexico and they used to have a race on an oval in japan but they don't do that there's an oval either. in japan yep where's there an oval in japan i thought that was just an american thing it's called twin mategi they used to have nascar races and stuff there too yeah 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 dale how long ago dale earnhardt 20... late 90s okay yeah i never knew that yep nascar in japan that's interesting that's where danica patrick's alone indy car win came actually the more you know yep. the more you know so she's never a winner in the united states correct great <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get into the, we'll get into some uh some indy car stuff i'm sure liam has some stuff to enlighten me but i'll start off with f1 just to go down our track sheet here but f1 testing is underway underway we got all but one livery debut now or, or not even just the liveries the cars pretty much yeah i remember or- originally i was thinking we were just going to get liveries on test model cars like red bull did and we we're like ah, it's, we're just gonna have to wait until barcelona or bahrain to see what the actual cars look like but then the cars slowly started coming in, and teams were just like, ah, I don't care about revealing our secrets. We'll just show them what we got. Well, and it's, I mean, some cars do look uh, a lot more presentable <laughs> in uh, Barcelona than they did as their show car. Who, who are you hitting at? Red Bull. Red Bull. Yeah. That one, man, I woke up this morning. and Well, well first off, I was up until like 3 a.m. last night doing some other work, and <laughs> I was up at the time when they were waking up in Britain, Barcelona, and Spain, and... uh and like all the stuff was getting underway. So I was seeing all the British F1 media stuff and all the Spain photos from Barcelona coming out at like 3 a.m. So I was like, oh, I'm going to and look at some of this. And then I ended up going to bed and then I woke up this morning and saw the results of all of it. What I didn't see last night that I saw this morning was, yeah, Red Bull's car. Because mm-hmm. they were the one team that this whole kind of livery debut season of early February that they hadn't really released what the car was even going to look like or any photos of them testing it on a track or anything so it was kind of up in the air of what red bull is going to look like and yeah then they show up today with one of the most different looking cars we've seen and it it was it was sleek compared to i think it's pretty nice yeah i think the livery goes better on it and everything and it sure looks a lot, a lot more like a race car than what we saw 
what I find so, I mean, for one, Red Bulls, their side pods are very thin at the top. And mm-hmm. then it kind of like there's a giant undercut underneath the whole thing. And they have like a bunch of weird, like exposed carbon fiber under there. And it's kind of hard to tell the shape from photos. But what I find the most interesting about it is that there's t- kind of two concepts developing, I think, with all these car reveals. You had the Mercedes McLaren kind of deal where it was very thin, like triangle kind of shape back yeah. there. Then you have the Ferraris, the Astons, the Hasses. Um, that's a bigger, like a wider body. And there yeah. was some mediation between there. Alpine had a little bit of a different thing. But then you have Red Bull, which is a wide body, but like the whole under part of it is just cut out. So it's like, it's not, it looks wide, but it's also kind of thin at the bottom. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I saw what you were meaning because like I was kind of looking for similarities, you know, between what I saw and, you know, the show cars. And then I, they were mm-hmm. talking a lot about the Red Bull car on social media today and, you know, I was just like going back and looking at some pictures and stuff and like, hey, that Red Bull sticks out to me. Yeah. Like with what you were saying. It's like every car or not every car, but there's a bunch that have like defining features like Williams. Their nose is way different. Mm-hmm. And then Ferrari, their side pods are different. The tops of them, at least. And now Red Bull, their bottoms of the side pods are completely different. And I don't know if it's going to be fast or not. Nobody knows if it's going to be fast or not yet. But it's interesting that Ferrari and uh, not Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull are like completely different Mm -hmm. there was one picture i saw today it was like an overtop over their pit stalls like a comparison and it looks like they're from two different regulation sets like they look like completely different cars yeah and then you added ferrari in the mix who's like you know rumored to be in the at least race winning form this year mclaren's also kind of rumored to be in that situation and all those cars apart from mercedes and mclaren looking kind of similar they're all completely different yeah so we're either in for a great season of like every car having their own different strengths and weaknesses or the worst season ever because one team's going to hit out of the park and everybody else is going to be falling behind. I think we're more going on the first one because, I mean, just the different types of, you know, raceways that they go to, whether it be street circuits or, you know, real racetracks or, I mean, all of the, you know, Middle Eastern tracks all kind of have the same vibe too. Uh, I mean, we're going to see different teams, I think, you know, perform well at different types of tracks. I mean... You know, Mexico's completely different than Yas Marina or mm-hmm. whatever. And so, you know, I think that'll be fun to keep yeah. keep tabs on. Yeah, because if the different cars have their strengths and weaknesses, like like Mercedes came out today and said that they're looking for a more like sleek, stealthy approach, which mm-hmm. you can tell by their car design, whereas Ferrari and Red Bull kind of seem to be more like a brute power just from just from the looks of their cars. I'm not even I don't know what. Oh, they're, you know, power. Well, Mercedes has always beat Red Bull in straight line speed. And I'm sure that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, they were trying to address Red Bull. That is, you know, with this new car, that's somewhere where, you know, if they had more of that last season, the championship would have probably ended much differently and there wouldn't mm-hmm. have ever been any issues. But, you know, since they weren't able to have as much straight line speed, especially that next to last race where it would it looked yeah. like it was a mercedes track just going all out all the time yeah. practically so yeah i th- i mean that's something that every team's going to have to look for but i think that's something that red bull is going to capitalize on the most yeah i mean last year it was kind of obvious the whole time that mercedes had the straight line speed and red bull had the slow corner speed that's kind of how everybody based their opinions each race where oh this is a red bull track this is a mercedes track you know that's that mexico and and uh, and was it Brazil were apparently Red Bull mm-hmm. tracks. And then Mercedes showed up with the rocket ship engine in Brazil and they went from 20th to first, like in the course of the whole weekend. And that happened and that was whatever. Cap. But yeah, what was it called? Like the engine overcut or undercut or something? Yeah, Just something like take that. A, take a penalty with an 
with a rocket ship engine and then just win it out anyway. It's insane. But I do think both of those teams, because of that fight they had last year, they're going to try to capitalize on those two weaknesses they had. Mercedes with the slow corners and Red Bull with the top end speed. And we'll see which outfit that they address, which one's going to work the best. But I don't know. As for as for just the testing today, you seen the live timings, so like the final timings. Mm-hmm. Any overreactions that you want to make? Uh, no, but I did repost something of what Lando Norris said. Said this is, I don't know, it was hilarious. It's like, yeah, well, we finished P1, so y'all are going to hype me up too much for no reason <laughs> for the uh, for the rest of the season. He mm-hmm. said, productive day, but I'm annoyed that I'm P1. Now you're going <laughs> to think we fast and way overhype us. And then he said, a mega lull, yeah, which is like, you, LOL. Yeah, then you're just going to get disappointed in the end. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it, 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 it's funny. It's him at the top, and then it's Ferrari, Ferrari, Mercedes, Mercedes, and then Aston, um, and then it just goes on and off. But for the most part, the timings look almost reminiscent of, like, this last season. There's not, like, you mm-hmm. know, alpha at the top, like we saw somewhat of last year. Well, it was Yuki, what we saw. Well, yeah, was, like, P2. Yuki was, like, P2. Like, the first one. Yeah, yeah. I remember everyone was, like, oh, Alpha Tower is going to kill it because Red Bull's doing good, and Alpha Tower's doing good, and then... I mean, Gasly did good last year, but Yuki, Yuki didn't do anything. But yeah, I'm, I mean, the timing is I'll overreact them all the time. What I basically want to look at is the lap count because Red Bull did a crap ton of laps. Mm-hmm. And you have like Haas who did 20 Alpha, total. Yeah. Alpha did like 30. Alpha did like 32 or something. So Max alone did 147. I saw that. That's, that's more than both for, or that's, that's almost as many as both Ferrari guys combined. That's more than both Mercedes guys did combined. That guy just likes driving, I'm pretty sure. If I was given that car, I'd drive it all day too. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're just, you're learning for this season, which benefits you. Mm-hmm. They're doing tire tests, which hopefully will benefit you. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, it goes a long way, even if it's just a few more laps than some other guys, you know first day on the job yeah exactly i don't this this season it could be great i feel like my expectations are way too high following last year and last year was with the old regs and it was just a good title fight and now this year it's new regs and who knows what the title fight's going to be so there's kind of that mystery going into the year but you know we'll wait and see what it but uh i don't know i'm, I'm excited and, and testing's going to go on for the next two days i believe and mm-hmm. of course it's not televised because the oil kings in bahrain want their rights to the television debut of the cars but whatever whatever social media is king now anyways we have no one's going to care when it comes to Bahrain. amen but uh that's whatever but let's hop into indycar i know you want to talk about that you got the expertise on me i know a little bit about it i watched some of it last year it's kind of been growing on me a little bit i think i watched almost all of portland i obviously watched the 500 i watched a little bit of uh of of nashville just because mm-hmm. the, the crap shoot that was i loved nashville but, uh, but yeah en- enlighten me on uh on IndyCar this year, and it can give me hype for it. All right. Well, uh, you know, no no different cars or anything this year. We do have a, a pretty big field compared to what we uh, we usually have with, you know, full-time cars, um, which is a good thing. It's good to see the sport grow like we're seeing with NASCAR. NASCAR's growing. Formula One certainly is, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that trend continue in, in IndyCar, so that's, that's enlightening. A uh, few things. Jimmy Johnson is going full time this year. Full-time. After yeah, after being a seven time NASCAR Cup Series champion, he's uh, going full time racing all the ovals. After last year, he uh, raced all the all the road course and street course circuits. So that'll be interesting to keep tabs on. Uh, there's a large rookie class this year. A bunch of young, talented guys. Uh, some guys you've probably heard of. Christian Lundgaard mm-hmm. came over from F2. Callum Illott's coming over as from an F1 reserve position. Um, 
Elio Castroneves is back uh, full-time. And then there's a woman uh, driver that's racing all the street courses this year. Uh, her name's Tatiana Calderon Noguera. She's from uh, Colombia. I'm not not very familiar with her. But Did she come out of the W Series, I'd assume? Uh, I, I couldn't. Where else? They'd really... Super Formula Championship. Ah, uh, okay. That's in Japan, isn't it? Or... Yeah, but apparently she's got some F2 and some F3 experience as well. There you go. So that's, that's going to be cool to keep tabs on. We haven't had a a woman driver in IndyCar for a while. So that'll be fun. But I mean, we're going to see, I think a large portion of drivers have uh championship abilities this year. Mm -hmm. Romain Grosjean being one of him, uh, XF1 guy. So I think it'll be a great season to watch. Is he going full-time this year? I know he didn't do, he didn't do ovals last year. Correct. He was on the same program as Jimmy Johnson. Uh, and he's full time for Andretti Autosport this year mm -hmm. uh, with Honda, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch. I think he's in a really good car. He's got lots of sponsorship backing, so he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm just what I didn't when I was watching last year. What I what I couldn't or what I failed to grasp the mm -hmm. whole year because I guess I'm used to just watching F1 is that the drivers kind of rotate. Like I knew like Grosjean was only doing certain tracks, but yeah. then it's like though they change up every race and. Obviously, the championship contenders are the ones that race in the most races, but that yeah. was always confusing to me. It's, they do that. It was like, so Jimmy Johnson did all the road courses and street courses last year, and then Tony Kanaan, who's an IndyCar legend, did all the oval mm -hmm. courses for him. And that Tatiana girl that I was talking about, she's going to have someone do all the ovals. Uh, and then this guy named Connor Daly, his boss, who's Ed Carpenter, he doesn't like racing uh <laughs> on road courses he just races ovals so he would do road courses for their team and stuff that's a pretty common theme and uh in indycar happens with probably three or four cars okay now i'm just gonna keep asking questions that's I, like, fine what i know there's like i know most for indycar it's a more level playing field i know that's like one of the big things there's like yeah. seven different winners or eight different winners last year i think maybe even more than maybe that more than that yeah is there like i know there's like there's better teams, but is there like, there's not like a favorite usually every year, right? I mean, Chip Ganassi and Team Penske, those two yeah. teams, they always have the most resources and usually the best drivers. Uh, I mean, Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin, and Will Power have are all champions across multiple forms of motorsport. Mm -hmm. So, and for that's Team Penske, and then uh, Chip Ganassi has the best IndyCar driver ever. They have xf1 driver marcus erickson mm -hmm. they have the reigning champion alex plo and then jimmy johnson is their lineup so i would give those two a slight edge but it's definitely more competitive across the board i mean they all have used the same sort of indie car which is called a delara yeah so like you know they're all getting parts from the same people but they just get backing from honda or chevrolet or whatever for engine performance and stuff and that just goes towards like development over the season to mm -hmm. keep the car as good as it can be correct yeah okay now last year who who won it i know the name as soon as you it say was it. alex polo it was alex polo yeah. and it came down to him and like one other guy uh joseph newgarden, joseph newgarden that's yeah. right but yeah from what i liked last year because the few races i watched and the commentators always did a good job about talking about it was like it was a huge championship fight there were like guys up until mm -hmm. you know the Patric relative end. patricio yeah. award was also a part of that fight yeah he either finished second or third there was three guys that had a chance going into the last race yeah i think it was like herda was in it i know wasn't castroneva's in it for a little bit or no no castroneva is 
only raced like three races, but he, I mean, he won the Indy 500 last year. So okay. some of my Twitter sources are yeah. stupid. Then. Yeah. But um, he's going full time this year. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm re- I'm looking at the driver list now and I'm recognizing at least 50, 60 percent of the names. Like yeah. I, either from watching IndyCar last year or, you know, from the European racing scenes or the NASCAR racing scenes. I know a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, who are we feeling going forward, like as the big favorites? I know a lot of the rookie class is fun, and there's a lot of young guys in this in this field as well. Yeah, and some old guys too, with Jimmy Johnson and Castro Neves. But how are we? So I mean, where are you put your money at? Uh, I'm gonna list probably f- at least five guys that I would expect to be top five in points. So I'm gonna go just name them off. Joseph Newgarden uh, is gonna do pretty well. Uh, Alex Pillow, reigning champion. You can't ever count out Scott Dixon. Pato Award, young Mexican driver that races mm-hmm. for McLaren, finished second or third last year. Uh, Colton Herta, best American driver in the field. Romain Grosjean, I think, has a realistic shot, too. I mean, he's got, I mean, as, like I said, there's a more level playing field, but he's getting a definite upgrade in equipment this year mm-hmm. and uh, more backing from sponsors and whatnot. So that's going to help him uh, compared to the great performances we saw him last year. So I don't know how many drivers that was, was five or six, like I said, but I think those are probably going to be the guys buying for it at the end. Yeah, I might have to cheer for Grosjean this year. I think I was cheering for him last year just from, you know, the goodness of my heart for what he went through. But yeah. I think I like. I think he's a stand-up dude. I'm yeah, just, I mean, no, sure he, he definitely is. I mean, the comeback that he had from F1 going to IndyCar, and I mean, he won a pole last year, had two or three podiums. I mean, that's a big step in the right direction, especially you know when he was pretty much a back marker for the last two yeah. or three years of his career with Haas. So you know, seeing performances like that, and just from a guy who's gone through as much as he has, is is a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Now, I'll ask you, let me ask, this is kind of a little bit off the path, but I saw a great Reddit post about this today because mm-hmm. he's driving for Andretti, mm-hmm. and Andretti's now putting in another ploy into F1 for yeah. 2024, which I is looking that. more realistic than the one we saw last year Definitely. at the U.S. Grand Prix. Yeah, that one was like they were going to like try to overtake Alpha or yeah. whatever, but now they're trying to become be their, own their own team, team and have gone to the FIA and done meetings or whatever. That was Mario Andretti just saying what Mario Andretti wanted to say. I mean, he doesn't have to answer to anybody. So <laughs> it would be, I mean, if they get into F1, it's a great, another American team. Yeah. I mean, not to say that Haas isn't American, but like the Haas F1 team to me isn't really American. It doesn't feel American. No. I mean, none of their, none of their big time staff besides literally Gene Haas is American. Yeah. And they run out of England and they have a Russian sponsor. Yeah. He's just paying the bills. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So having Andretti in would be awesome. And, there, people on Reddit were making the case for Grosjean back into F1, mm-hmm. but I don't think he'll return just because of what, yeah, you know. No, but I do think either Herta or Rossi will go. I think, yeah, I think, I I mean, Herta was kind of the rumored guy back in like in uh, September when he the U.S. Grand some, Prix was. He did some F1, you yeah. know, simulator tests, which is interesting. But I'm um, so Patricio Award races for McLaren. He's uh He's got an official test lined up this year with McLaren. With McLaren, yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard of that too because I've heard his name all through with McLaren. Yep. But... If Andretti pulled another name, are they pulling guys out of here? Or are they going to get uh, the Williams, the Williams American Williams kid? Because I'm going to I'm going to assume they're one an American driver in they'll in that have. Spot. I think they'll have at least one. I mean, their their show horse right now is Colton Herta. Yeah. He's carrying the team. I mean, you know, he went from kind of an associate team of theirs and won several races, and then got brought on full time uh, with some big sponsorship money from a company called GameBridge. 
And uh, that was the livery I was seeing was a Gainbridge car on uh, their Formula One cars for just concepts or whatever. Yeah. So I would assume that Colton would go. And then they'll probably just get someone else out of one of the Formula Series over there because I don't really see anybody else over here yeah. that's like, you know, wanting to really go F1 racing. Who would you want to be that 22nd driver? Van, I just kind of want Van Dorn, honestly, to get back in. It's pro- They're probably going to... Well, actually, Andretti does have a Formula E team with Jake Dennis and then Oliver Askew's mm. an American driver, but they would definitely go with Jake Dennis. I think he's a very talented guy, almost won the Formula E championship in his rookie season last year, yeah. ended up coming like third, I believe, and he's had a pretty strong start for, through the first two races this season. Yeah, I hope whatever Andretti does, they get back into, or not back into F1, but they get into F1 mm-hmm. because it's been since, what, the 20, I don't even know if it was before 2010, we've had more than 20 cars in the field for F1. So getting that 11th team would be awesome. I think it was, I think it was after 2012 season. 2012, somewhere, yeah, it was somewhere around there. It's when we the downgraded back to 20. Yeah, no matter what, I think it'd be awesome to get, you know, it's more seats, obviously. There's for a bunch sure. of drivers that deserve it. I mean, you always made the argument for Piastri and Debris. They're the mm-hmm. big kind of like show horses for, you know, we're overqualified for F1 and we're not in a seat. It's Poor share. Schwartzman yeah. isn't driving anything Formula related this year, which yeah. is sad. That's just Ferrari having an abundance of decent drivers. Yeah. No one's replacing their, their golden boy. No, what, sir. And then Carlos Sainz did good enough to maybe get a contract extension, which is going to delay Mick's uh, arrival at Ferrari. I think, so, I think you will, too. Yeah, so... Yeah. Mick, Mick ain't going to be there until 2024, maybe. So Something like that. Yeah, he'll have to pull a George Russell and just sit there at Haas for three, four years. That's fine. I mean, at that point, it just gives you good longevity to, to your career. So Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll hit this last thing. Daytona 500 this past weekend. Oh, my goodness. Daytona Speed Weeks in general. That was just interesting thing to behold. It was an interesting one. Auto Club's coming up next over in California, but Daytona, I mean, like we said, it was a fairly typical race the whole way. Um Nothing crazy happened. Fuel saving, tire saving, all race, and then the last twenty laps were insane. No, it, it was uh, it was crazy Daytona five hundred. It was the craziest race of the weekend. Usually, the truck race and the Xfinity race are just wreck fests the whole race. Okay, and then you finish with a few cars or trucks. That was not the case. They waited to wreck, coming to the white flag and <laughs> trucks, and then on the final lap in Xfinity. So that that was pretty crazy, and there was three to four big wrecks you could say in the cup there race. were a bunch of big ones yeah so you know that's that's kind of out of pocket for them but everybody was learning this new car and all that stuff so it, it makes sense that it was kind of a, a wild daytona 500 i mean what, what what did you learn from the new car this weekend like anything that kind of popped out to the media or to you specifically so single car speed is terrible is xfinity and trucks single car speed mm-hmm. was better and faster than the Cup Series, which shouldn't be a thing. That, that shouldn't, sh- yeah, that shouldn't happen. Slower. I mean, they've been trying to slow the cars down incrementally over the past few seasons after seeing guys go 210 at Michigan and stuff. And then, <laughs> That's like, fun, though. It's, it <laughs> is. I mean, it's the premier stock car organization in the world. You're supposed to be the fastest. You're supposed to be the most talented drivers. And these guys sign up for what they sign up for. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dale Earnhardt wasn't afraid to die. And... I mean, that's it happens. I yeah. mean, there's injuries and whatnot, but uh, I don't know. There's still a big parts issue with whether it be supply chain logistics or whatever. But uh, the aerodynamics of the car is, is kind of strange because apparently the main source of airflow that keeps the car, you know, streamlined is underneath the car mm-hmm. through the rear diffuser, 
which is something that hasn't been done on a stock car uh, ever in my life. So that's that's something new to get. The parts, how they're assembled is strange too because I don't know if you saw it, but Bubba Wallace, when he got hit by Ricky Stenhouse, yeah, at the end. He, his fender flow off in one complete piece. Yeah, yeah. That was like, weird to me. I saw that, and I was like, yeah. that doesn't look like how NASCAR no. usually happens. It's like you just plucked like a Lego piece off the car. Yeah, no, that's, really ex- weird. that's exactly what it looked felt like to me. So I, I kind of took that, you know, weirdly, and Bubba ended up finishing second with what I would have thought was a major uh, aerodynamic. Yeah, it didn't look like it. Yeah, a, deficiency. In, uh, what was it? Was Kyle Bush? Didn't he have a messed up car? Or was someone yeah. else in that front No, it was, it was Kyle. He ended up finishing sixth with, I mean, he wrecked at least twice during yeah. the course of the race. So that was strange, but I don't know. These cars are supposed to take a lot of damage, you know, with the driver being fine, which we saw with uh, Harrison Burton's flip mm-hmm. off the bumper of Brad Keselowski. And then uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had a horrendous hit uh, into the wall off yeah. the off the bumper of Brad Keselowski again. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's just learning curves with this car like i said i think it'll take about 10 races to see what this car is really capable of Mm -hmm. and you know who's going to stand out performance wise anyways yeah so we're predicting a chaotic first 10 races and then after that yeah people have their let their feet under their legs or whatever that saying goes yeah um it'll be smooth sailing we'll have a probably a clear-cut championship fight oh i mean yeah i mean the best drivers are supposed to raise the top with this car i mean you know every good team like hendrick or penske or joe gibbs you know they have more resources and manpower to throw at this car so Mm -hmm. i mean those teams will probably end up getting a little bit of an edge by about halfway through the season but still i mean austin cindrick won the daytona 500 i mean granted he drives a penske car but he was never on anybody's radar of doing that yeah i mean it's a rookie winning i mean there's a bunch of reactions i saw people like no way the rookie's winning Everyone's thinking it was going to be, you know, Blaney was going to pull it out, or I mean, hell, Bubba was going to somehow yeah. pull well, that victory. I mean, I was ex- Brad Keselowski. It was a four dominated race, to be fair. So yeah. Brad Keselowski, you know, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Cindric stayed up at the field for a mm-hmm. lot, a lot of the, a uh, lot of the day, uh, and then Harrison Burton, if he didn't get freaking wrecked by Keselowski, he was in a Ford mm-hmm. as well and would have. Uh, been up there the rest of the race, and then defending champion Michael McDowell had a great race too. Yeah, for, he was up there too for his Ford. So the commentators literally said something like, "I don't know how he always finds himself at the top end mm-hmm. of this race, but yep. he always does." Yeah. yeah, Mike Joy said that, or Clint Boyer, or someone. But yeah, no, it was it was interesting to see how the Fords could work together just so much more than any other manufacturer. I mean, Toyota doesn't have the numbers that they do, but Chevrolet does, and. I mean, they Chase Elliott there. was the highest finishing Chevrolet, if I'm not mistaken. He, so. was, he was outside the top 10. He was 10th. He was, he was 10th. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. The only Toyotas up there were Bush and Bubba. And that mm-hmm. was, and then it was just a field of Fords. Well, I mean, of course, everybody gets wrecked at these races. But I mean, we didn't see a Chevrolet really lead a whole lot of laps. Kyle Bush led a good amount for Toyota. But yeah, I mean, compared to what we've seen, usually there's a rotating cast of characters, you know, going through that field. And we didn't really see that. The The main part of the field that 
was at the end of the race was there at the front avoiding wrecks for most of the day. Yeah, so just survival of the fittest, basically. Yep. And Fords were able to do that somehow. Maybe they're just the best constructed ones and they don't take any damage. They, that might be true for now, but we'll we'll see as the season progresses. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, we got some uh, some NBA All Star Weekend talk. Maybe some talks of the NFL Pro Bowl because it kind of filters into that as well. So stay tuned. For that, check us out on social media at OffTheBenchXLR on Instagram for posts all about the show. Look up quotes, video clips, and more from Off The Bench. Again, that is at OffTheBenchXLR. Listen to one song. We'll be back after this talking some NBA All-Star Weekend. back here on off the bench my name is Hayden Joyner joined with Liam Worley just had a super long talk on motorsport f1 IndyCar NASCAR seasons are kicking off and uh we'll be sure to talk more about it the rest of the year probably at Chris's expense poor guy but uh that's all right you know I don't know how state football is going on so I think he can be content for a little while while uh we talk our talk talk our talk yeah but I want to I want to I want to get into this episode because we're, we're kind of low on topics honestly NFL, not much is going on besides Aaron Rodgers being a diva and people thinking Tom Brady is going to come out of retirement after two weeks. Funny. But that's about all that's going on in the world of the NFL. What I wanted to talk about is going over to the NBA side. They're in their All-Star Weekend right now, and All-Star Game happened. They changed the rules for that like last year, and it's an interesting concept where it's like first to like 163 points or something ridiculous. Yeah, and they do it by quarters or whatever. And they do it by quarters, and it all goes to charity, and it's, it's like, you know, it's like you're a kickball out at recess in elementary school you just pick teens based on the players it's whatever yeah but you know that's that's a decent it's whatever but what i really want to talk about is the is the dunk contest because a few years ago if you remember we had a zach levine and uh and aaron gordon Gordon, face off in that one and arguably probably not even arguably probably definitely the best dunk contest in the history of the NBA happened. That was, what, 2016, maybe? Correct. Competitively, anyways. Competitively, yeah. I mean, we've seen some brilliant dunks across the years. But, exactly. you know, on a competition level, that was probably the best. Obviously the best. And ever since then, I mean, in my opinion, I'm sure a lot of people agree, it's just been slowly going downhill. Mm-hmm. And you can say, oh, the dunkers aren't as good, it's whatever. But especially this year, it just hit a point where everyone was like, what is, what is this? Because you had all the guys. I mean, one, you had... You had um, Cole Anthony show up in Timberlands and trying to dunk, and he was missing everything. I mean, Stephen Stephen A. Smith on first take literally said he could have walked up there and missed as many dunks as those guys missed the entire game yeah. or the entire competition. Um, Obi Toppin ended up winning it. Um, that probably would have been the favorite going in because you know he's an incredible dunker. He was it. He was in college when he played for uh, was it Temple Dayton Dayton. I was red red and white. You yep. know, but um, he was incredible there in college with all that, and he comes in the NBA. He's on the Knicks, and and he does great there. So. Props him for winning it, but I mean, it just is looking at the, like the highlights. Honestly, yeah, there just wasn't anything to it be is happy about. Yeah, it is the dunk contests of old. I mean, to be fair, we were a lot younger back then, so you know, it was more impressive to us, especially <laughs> seeing like Dwight Howard, you know, in a Superman costume. Or I, I mean, I think still impressive because yeah. I still can't, I can't dunk see, even though I'm see, five years old. No, it for sure is. But you know, Blake Griffin jumping over a car and stuff, yeah, stuff like that back then to us was foreign and just stuff that we were like, oh, we're going crazy, yeah. wow. 
But you know, now after seeing dunk contests like what we saw with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, and they were both in multiple dunk contests, uh, I mean, it's just you know the creativity level isn't there as high as it once was. You know, they're not looking like they're having as much fun with it, which probably has something to do. I didn't watch anything from NBA All-Star Weekend, to be fair, because I knew it was going to be a crapshoot. <laughs> I, I watched the game, the All-Star game live. Yeah. The rest of it, I, I literally, there was people tweeting about the dunk contest, and I was like, it's on right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I had I had no idea. Yeah, there was people like, oh, you know, you should be watching basketball or the All-Star game or the Pro Bowl. Like They've all been like that over the past few weeks, and I'm not interested in any of it. Yeah. Especially when racing's on, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna worry yeah. or put my effort and eyes onto a dunk contest or a three point contest that Carl Anthony Towns won. Yeah, like what, what's up with that? Nobody. I mean, thought, I mean, props to KAT yeah. for winning it, but like nobody would have thought? thought three years ago that Cat would have even seen a three point contest, let alone won one. Especially the likes of Trey Young was in it and stuff. I mean, yeah, hmm? something's up. I don't know. Yeah, like like the. Like, I just I couldn't be bothered to watch any of it. I mean, the NFL Pro Bowl was on at the same time as the Clash of the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And you know damn well what I was watching. Yeah, I know. Same here. I mean, Matt is who I'm referencing to. He's uh-huh. always asking me, like, oh, you going to watch the basketball game that's on right now or the Pro Bowl or yeah. All-Star game? Like, even if it's an Auburn basketball game, my chips are in racing. So... The answer is going to be no. And then he asks stupid stuff like when Daytona of some series is on, he's like, yeah. bro, please turn on the dunk contest because, like, I got a Roku, and so I got all the apps on my TV, yeah. and he doesn't. And so he asks, and I'm like, no. And he ends up watching it on his phone, and, like, he's not getting near as much enjoyment as I am watching my race. So Yeah, I'm watching. I literally have the highlights playing from the dunk contest here, and I've seen, like, four misses. And it's like, oh, a 360 under the legs. Or between the legs, I can't do it. Well, it's, but like I've seen that before. It's like the Shaq meme we saw, which is the dunk contest progression over the past five or six years. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going ballistic back when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were doing it, and this year, you know, what was considered a nine or a ten dunk, he was straight faced. So yeah, it's like like I'm now watching Cole Anthony miss three straight dunks, where it's just a three sixty, kind of like you you catch it below your waist and then pull it right over your head, kind of mm-hmm. like a tomahawk. Which I remember somebody did that in a game or in a dunk contest, and it was like it was like the coolest because it was just so smooth. It might have been, uh, I think it was Aaron Gordon in that year. I remember that exact dunk. Everyone was like, "That's insane!" But now it's probably been done the last four years. Yeah, and who cares? And then I mean, over on top of all that, the judges is just. I mean, it's all former NBA guys and, yeah. and TV personalities. But it's like the the Aaron Gordon one. You could have nitpicked, and then Zach Levine. You could have nitpicked that to create a winner. Mm-hmm. But it, when everyone just like. 10, 10, 10, and he makes it go into eight overtime rounds. Yeah. I mean, yes, that was awesome, and I am glad they did that. But then you get something like this, and it's like this one's clearly not as good as those, as those past ones, but they're wanting to just grade the 10s to keep it going. And it's like just just put it out of its misery, you know? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm watching Obi Toppin now cringe at his own jump shot. To be fair, I was I did pick Obi Toppin out of uh, my friend group that was – at my apartment at the time, and I was the only one that won. They all picked someone else, so I am a little bit pleased with wouldn't. that. Like Obi Toppin now, he's just going between the legs and going straight, like, straight down. I can't even remember who they picked. That's how. Like who the other guys in it were? Yeah. Let's see. Does it say on NBA's like description here? 
It's literally all the comments under this are, I miss Aaron Gordon. Facts. Me too. <laughs> Dunk contest participants. I just, the whole thing, it's just uh, annoying, honestly. Let's see. Dunk contest participants. Cole Anthony, Jalen Green, Obi Toppin, and and Juan Toscana Anderson from the Warriors. Yeah. Don't even know. Who I don't that know who is. that is either. It must be like a. I know Jalen. I know the other three, but I don't know who that is. He just. I don't know. It's weird. But, I mean, overall, I don't. I don't know how you fix it, honestly. And then you can. We can get into the skills challenge and all of that, and it's whatever. You know, the skills challenge was okay, but again, it wasn't the greatest. the The three point contest was fun just for the fact that a big man won it. I mean, and then honestly, I mean, you could throw Steph Curry in the three point contest and he'll win it every year. Of but course. I guess they just mix it up to you know have fun. Yeah. But and then the All Star game, the NBA All Star game is a little different than like the Pro Bowl, just because it's basketball and lazy pickup basketball is kind of a thing. No one plays lazy pickup football really. No. I mean, you play two hand touch, but even high school kids go hard at that. But the NFL players are too worried about getting hurt; they're not going to go hard. But for 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 NBA, you know, you can just waltz them down the court, pass around, just shoot up shots or do dunks. That's just kind of the point of it, and it's all entertaining. But an NFL run for seven yards isn't going to be entertaining to anybody. No. Whereas a dude checking up a half foot or a half court shot every two possessions, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty that's, that's pretty entertaining. It I'd is. Say. Yeah. I just don't like you know. It doesn't look like there's a lot of competitive spirit in games like yeah. that anymore. Well, I love with the NFL. There's that. I'm sure you've seen it. The meme. It's like oh. 10 years ago, you have Sean Taylor absolutely leveling a punter in mm-hmm. the Pro Bowl for the hell of it. And now you have people like slowing down Alvin Kamara to make sure he doesn't like trip over his own foot when he stops a run. Yeah, dude, like congrats on your two-hand touch tackle stat you just yeah. got. Like, well, what's, what's weird is they don't even like go into it thinking like this is like this is a two-hand touch game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're wearing full pads. It's supposed to be a football game. They just are being precautionary. Yeah. You, you, you as much as get two hands on a quarterback and they're going to blow the play dead. I think for the NFL, at least for Pro Bowl, you either scrap the whole game entirely or just commit to it being a flag football game. Just huh. commit to it being flag football and make them go out in that aspect. Because, I mean, besides the non-contact ACL, you're not going to get, like, an impact injury from playing no, flag football. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah so just, I agree. just commit to that rather than putting on a facade of, hey, everyone put on their shoulder pads and play football for an audience of, you know, thousands of people who know good and well that it's not going to be entertaining at all and it's always a 50 to 50 kind of game mm-hmm. the afc's won it like six years in a row because the nfc just doesn't have any good players anymore no, doesn't but seem like it it's like come on it's it's awful i don't i mean honestly at this point nascar does a better all-star event than the nfl does and nascar just does a race i'm not gonna go that far because <laughs> in my eyes nascar race and nascars or the all-star race and nascar is flawed but you know i see the point you're trying to make exactly. yeah it's it's just the NFL, the the skills, the skills showdown is kind of fun. I get that. Well, but, there's something to race. Here's a point that yeah. I can make about it. There's something to race for in the NASCAR All Star Race. Yeah, you win a million dollars compared to the Pro Bowl or whatever. I they mean, they win money, but it's usually like you get fifty thousand for a charity. To them, it's nothing. To them, it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, to a NASCAR driver, a million dollars is a lot. I mean, you know, it's more than a lot of the races pay out for the yeah. winner. So, I mean. You know, it's something to go for, and uh, I even think the pit crews, all, you know, the winning pit crew of that race gets a bonus as well, which yeah. is which is crazy. So, well, it's like, like I keep using the NFL as an example, but you know, years ago it was like, this is the game where you prove yourself as the best in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do your own individual games, put up stats, but if you beat the best players, you're the best. That's kind of how the thought process went. 
But now there's just so much emphasis on player health and injuries and all that, which to to an extent that's that's good. You don't yeah. want your players getting hurt every year. I get oh, that. Oh, for sure, of course. But it's made it to the point where the All Star game is just a let's try not get hurt game. Yeah, and it's like there's no fun in that. Like, oh, let's just have some dances in the end zone and just you know not try. There's there's other terms I want to use right now, but you know just not try the entire game. I understand. And it, it's just not entertaining, and that's why nobody tuned up to watch it. I don't know what the what the TV numbers were, but I can't imagine they were that staggering. They definitely weren't. I mean, and you know, you're not drawing new eyes to the sport, even though there's not many new eyes to be drawn in America yeah. towards American football. So, but I mean, that's something like you said. The Pro Bowl was going on the same time as the Clash, and the Clash got over four million views, which is more than you know, I think. All the Daytona 500s have gotten, uh, except like not all of them, but all the ones back to 2016. And we put it, or they put it, the race in a area where NASCAR doesn't really have any platforms to go off of in LA. Yeah. And so, and they did it in a football stadium. I mean, people wanted to watch that, and it it brought a new, a lot of new eyes to the sport, and made a lot of new fans. I'm sure. Well, I hate to say this, but. I mean, NFL's king, football is king. Mm-hmm. 6.7 million viewers for the Pro Bowl. What the heck? Yeah. You know what? What the hell? It's like 66% more than than the Clash, and it's just... That's terrible. Literally, the headline, this is on um, NBC Sports, Pro Football Talk. The, the headline, or not the headline, but the start of the article is literally, as criticism of the quality of play increases, the Pro Football's television audience decreases. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? It's like... And what's crazy is it decreased. Like, it did go down from last year, but it's still more than, like, NASCAR. And it's more than the, the NBA All-Star game had 5.9 million views. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just it's just awful. And, I, and, like, for the NFL, you know, flag football, commit to it, it's whatever. That's the only way I can fix it. For the NBA, I don't know how you fix the dunk contest. There's not really a way you could. Stephen A. Smith on first take, I was listening to this earlier today, he, he put out a proposal of, hey, Let's just hold the an NBA sponsored nationwide dunk contest, right? And then you, you find the top six dunkers in the US. Like just like dudes that post on Instagram. That would be cool. The dudes that play pickup in, in, in the city parks. Yeah. You know, those dudes can dunk. For you sure. Know, those I, they don't cra- need yeah. any sort of, you know, extra motivation. I mean, just being on a national platform in front of a lot of people watching it. Uh, and I would certainly watch that yeah. over the current you know, format that they have right now. So. Yeah, it's like you you bring a college kid in. Mm-hmm. You could have brought high school Zion in for all we care a couple of years ago. People would have tuned if you if you had high school Zion in the dunk contest in 2017 mm-hmm. or 2018. People would have watched that. For I would sure. have tuned because he was like a national icon, and he's he's fallen off the face of the earth now. Well, that's because he's been injured. That's because he's been injured hundred times. And he got mad at um, C.J. McCollum, president of the NBA Players Association, earlier this week. But yeah, that's besides the point. You know, I would have watched that because it was a national icon. Of course. You, I mean, it's like having a kicking contest and putting destroying in it. it I would watch like, that. It was that or Mac McClung. Like, if you would put Mac McClung in there when he was in high school or whatever, yeah. that would have been so interesting to watch, too. And I think that'd be a fun event because it's still, it's not the NBA players. I mean, it could have NBA players in it as well, but mm-hmm. it bring it makes the NBA feel more of like a community, which the NBA has been trying to do. They've been trying to make it like a more of like a community kind of feeling of the NBA like basketball like across the country is like all the NBA like the NBA is all of us mm-hmm. they've been trying to put that message forward they've done a lot of like NBA street if you had seen that kind of advertising campaign they had they've been doing a lot of that stuff and I think doing some kind of nationwide dunk contest where 
people from outside, you know, who didn't get the opportunity to go to college and play basketball or do this other stuff, got a chance at it. Cause you know, you could be good at dunking, but not good at basketball. And maybe that's the reason you didn't of go course. to college for it, yep. but you can now at least have the opportunity in a, in a national league sponsored event to have a go at it. And yeah. that'd be more entertaining. And maybe the, maybe the dunking quality wouldn't be any better than the NBA, but at least maybe, you know, just the draw of it being regular people, it's just maybe a little bit more interesting. I don't know. I think the quality probably would be better. And, you know, these guys, they don't have to get some sort of, you know, extra, you know, stuff to go out there and play. You know, just the opportunity to play in front of more eyes, to get your name out there more and stuff mm-hmm. is is good to do. I mean, it's kind of what Lethal Shooter's done, yeah. you know, with his routines and whatnot and becoming a trainer and all that stuff. So... I will say I am a strong advocate of exposure is not good payment. So maybe you put like a $10,000 or $50,000 reward or something. But I do think people would jump at the opportunity. Because even if like if you did like a 100-man contest mm-hmm. and then like the final eight made it to the actual dunk contest televised on TV in an arena, maybe those guys don't get paid. But once like the winner of the whole thing, maybe you give some kind of incentive for that. That's fair. I mean, I understand that. But, you know, people are people want fame at this point sometimes more than they want money. Uh, especially in the social media age we live in. So I mean, with fame comes money. You get big on TikTok, you go to YouTube, you're going to get the money. And yeah, well, see, that's kind, of, that's kind of the thing I was going on. I mean, if yeah. you get a lot of exposure from this, say, you know, somebody wants to endorse you as a sponsor yeah, for yeah. shoes or apparel or to use their basketball or something now. Now, imagine the winner of the dunk contest, of a community-driven dunk contest. You get a shoe made by like Nike or Adidas or Reebok, whoever, like you get like your own, like the Whirly Sevens or something. No, that'd be terrible. You shouldn't do that. (laughs) Not the Whirly Sevens or just the idea in general? No, the idea (laughs) of just a regular average Joe getting their own signature shoes. I mean, I think we have too many signature (laughs) shoes in the NBA. I think any player now is, didn't Zion have his own shoe? Yeah, yeah, no, he does. Uh, Alex Caruso has his own shoe. Guy named Etwan Moore. Spencer Dinwiddie started his own company to be fair to make his own shoe. I'll give him the benefit. That's of a little bit different, but Alex Caruso though. I mean, yeah. sheesh, I'd get an Alex Caruso. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know, he's not he's not a top player in the league. He's no. great, but he's not you know a top ten guy. Top social media player of yeah. the year. He's always yeah going crazy, but I don't know. Let's um let's shift off on this, and I want to talk about the USFL with you real okay. quick. Um, this is the third. Well. And the three of uh, it's the third time in the last four years we've had a, we've had a spring startup NFL alternative league. We start with the AAF. I mean, I'm not counting all the way back the XFL and the, mm-hmm. the first XFL and the first USFL back in the in the early 2000s and 90s and 80s. But I'm talking about 2019. You had the AAF, and then the spring of 2020 you had the XFL, and then COVID shut that down. And in 2021 we didn't have anything. But now we have the USFL. Mm-hmm. It's a market that I do, and I think I do, and a lot of people think there's a ton of potential in. There's certainly a big opportunity yeah. for somebody to come in. It's, and... it's just sadly falling apart for the previous two yeah. attempts because the, yeah. the AAF had a bunch of just monetary issues. They weren't structured very well. And so, I mean, if you remember that story, they ended up like like two, uh, two-thirds or three-fourths away of the season, basically said, we're bankrupt and then they made all their players basically buy their own plane tickets home because they mm-hmm. couldn't afford to buy them a plane ticket to leave. Yeah. And then the XFL was actually pretty successful. Like they were filling stadiums with that and it was getting really good attention. And then COVID hit off and it sadly just completely derailed the whole situation. And I feel like they might be back 
they had enough success where I feel like if they came back, they'd get a big draw. Well, I mean, you know, guys like P.J. Walker got opportunities from yeah, that. And now yeah. he's, I mean, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he made an NFL roster. Is getting paid a lot more than what he was doing and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's a, some of these guys are taking it as an audition to get into the NFL because they didn't get picked up in an NFL draft or, you know, didn't think they were good enough to even go to the NFL draft. Uh, So it's stuff like that. I mean, you know, it gives these players extra motivation. It gives us football fans something to watch in our downtime, which is Mm -hmm. great. Um, Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I watched the XFL somewhat. I know when the, when the AAF came out, they were really, I ended up writing a paper on it for freshman year, mm -hmm. but they, they were really innovative, innovative with their like, technology in the AAF they had a bunch of camera angles you could go on your phone download an app and you could literally like make predictions on what the next play was and you'd get like in-game like money it was like it was like kind of cool a short form of sports gambling Mm -hmm. it was it was just really interesting and I ended up cheering I followed like the Orlando Apollos that team and they ended up winning the whole thing because they went undefeated and once the league shut down they had the best regular seats and so they just made their own graphics saying we're the champion that that works they they, they pulled a UCF and just declared themselves national champions they're from the same city maybe there's something going on there yeah but I mean from that team like you're talking about Garrett Gilbert you know we've Mm -hmm. seen him with the Cowboys he he got into the NFL after that Darius Johnson had a huge couple games with the Browns this year he he was he was the running back on that team there was there was a really good receiver on it which I I don't think he made a name of himself but he was really good for the AF mm-hmm. and there was there was just a bunch of guys that you know PJ Walker for the XFL is one of the best examples for them you know he ended up starting a few games for the Panthers last year yep so I think there's a huge market for it because it's you know spring football everybody's you know like I said earlier football is king yeah some people are gonna want to watch football regardless college football has a huge draw in a bunch of parts of the country high school football is literally life it is Texas and, yeah I mean. And then you Fridays are built on uh, high school football. Yeah, exactly. It's Fridays you cheer for high school, Saturdays you cheer for Texas, sadly, and then Sundays you cheer for Dallas. Sadly. Yep. No, that's and that's, that's just, how it goes. That's the life for a ton of Texans. And you know, and if you have a spring league now, it fills in that gap where there literally is no football. You know, because all the other football seasons kind of overlap with each other. But yeah, now you fill this gap in, and the USFL is just the next attempt. And what do you know about do you know anything about the USFL at the moment no I don't I saw the quarterbacks that were taken at one point or another and I recognized like five of their names and that was that was about it yeah was it Shea Patterson Shea Patterson uh, Michigan uh, kid yeah Jordan Tamu I remember Kyle Aletta from Richmond Mm -hmm. Uh, and there was two more but I can't think of their names right now I can't think of them either um there's only eight teams they're divided north and south Interestingly enough, though, they're playing all of their games in Birmingham, Alabama at Mm -hmm. uh, two stadiums. So they're not really separating it out very well. Like, I think the AF and the XFL, you know, teams were based in different cities and they locate around. And these teams are all based in cities, too, but they're all playing in Birmingham. Yeah. I don't know if that's a COVID thing or if they're just doing that for, like, maybe it's just a expense-cutting thing. It probably is because, I mean, there's a lot of – football fans in Alabama that's for sure yeah but I mean it's probably of an expense cutting thing that way people don't have to travel across the country that saves a lot in logistics and traveling and whatnot getting your gear there and all that stuff and I mean you know I would think that you know you pay for I don't know if they're doing VRBOs or whatever but I don't know what the thing is how long the schedule is or whatever but mm-hmm. you know these players aren't going to be there for 
no. nine months playing football. They'll be there for like two months playing football. So no, that's th- different. The season's going to kick off on April 16th. It's the Generals and the Stallions playing each other. And uh, the season runs all the way until mid-June until the playoffs start. And then okay. the playoffs run until like the early July, I think. Okay. And the playoffs, they play at the Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. So they are okay. they are moving for the playoffs. So they at least get a 20,000-seat uh, field and stadium for that aspect. But I got the quarterbacks for you if you know the other ones. Um, let's see. Shea Patterson, first overall, Jordan Tayamu, uh, Brian Scott, Ben Holmes, uh, Clayton Thorson, Alex Mago, Kyle uh, Laletta, and Kyle Slaughter, if you know any of the other ones besides the ones you mentioned. No, there was uh, – I'll try to pull it up if I can find it. I mean, I recognize – I mean, Ben Holmes is familiar to me. I don't know why. I don't know where he played, but that name just sounds familiar. Kyle Laletta sounds familiar. I know Shea Patterson. I know Jordan Tayamu and those guys, those two at mm-hmm. least, but – I want to find the whole draft because they've done their whole draft now. Yeah. But um, let's see. I need to be better. I need to have these prepared on my thing. But let's see. Fox Sports, thank you for sponsoring this and showing everybody. Um, let's see. Ben Holmes. Tarl, oh, Tarl, okay, I definitely don't know who Ben Holmes is. He just looked familiar for me. Uh, let's see. Where are the non-quarterbacks taken? I want to see the non-quarterbacks. Uh... Here we go. Any names I recognize? David Bel- Bellame, Bellamy, however you say that. Edge. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess they did it. They did it by. Um, that's interesting. They did it by position. So like round two was edge DN. Okay. Or D uh, defensive end, and then they did, round three was also edge defensive end. So that's interesting to say the least. The Tampa yeah. Bay ba- the Tampa Bay Bandits drafted a guy named Michael Scott. Oh any, wow! For any office fans out there, that's fun. Interesting. Um, I mean, a lot of these names, I got no clue. I'm just looking to see if there's any Kentucky guys on it, but I don't think there are. Um, what are the big names? I don't want offensive tackles. I want wide receivers. So quarterbacks were taken again in round 12. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers were 13 through 17, which was on day two. I'm just looking at I'm just looking at day one, so I don't see any of the receivers. Any big names in there? Mm. You see them? Or is it just a bunch of nobodies that will – Eventually make an NFL debut. I don't know. I'm looking. I mean, this is a weird way of how they set this up, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you, you could be a good player, but you're drafted in round 13, and then it just looks like you're awful. It's yeah. like you, draft, you got drafted in the 13th round of a secondary league. Yeah. But it's like, no, no, oh, I was just a receiver. <laughs> the other two quarterbacks were Paxton Lynch and Brady White. Both oh. played at Memphis. Paxton, I believe, got drafted very highly by the Broncos. Yeah, he was... Jerry Jones wanted him too. I remember yeah. that. We took if he doesn't be, we would have taken him if it wasn't for Denver, and that's really the reason we got Dak Prescott. Yeah, that was an interesting story. But anyway, none of these receivers are really ringing a bell. So, yeah. well, maybe maybe they'll be spectacular in the league, and we'll see what ends up happening with them. Um, yeah, coaching coaching wise, there's only one coach that's. Uh, stuck out Todd Haley mm-hmm. um, he's the only one that really stuck out to me as like oh that's a decent sized name because you know he was coach for the for the um, the Chiefs for a while and I know we also worked with like I think the Buccaneers and some other teams in the NFL for a while but I do remember this guy John Franklin the third he played for Auburn was on uh last chance you or whatever oh wow they went to Florida Atlantic after us was a quarterback and then transferred or not transferred but transitioned to a wide receiver mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of interesting since he's not only an Auburn guy but the last chance you guy too now is there a team you're looking to cheer for or are you just going to be an outside observer I'll be an outside <laughs> observer I usually for sure. just 
for these, I think I picked Orlando for the AAF just because they were the closest. Mm-hmm. It was either they were like Birmingham, and I was like, eh, I'll pick Orlando because it's more flavorful. But I don't know who I'll cheer for here. Half the uniforms are red, and I kind of go off our uniforms just because, yeah. you know, I, that's, I, I've picked like NASCAR drivers that way. Oh, you got a cool looking car, I'll cheer for you. But, that's fair. But I don't know. Houston, uh, the Houston Gamblers, they have like a nice like steel blue and gray and red kind of look. And then. If one, there's I can't what, what team is that the Michigan Panthers I think just looks like Florida State with blue added on top of it, um, and then a lot of these look like rec league uniforms. So Brad Keselowski did announce the first pick of the did USFL he, draft. Did he really? Yes, he did. What's the what, what's what's the meaning behind that? What's the he's from cooperation? Michigan and the Michigan Panthers got the first pick or whatever. I I have no idea, man. And then they but, picked the Michigan quarterback, so I guess yeah. there was a whole tie in there. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was interesting. <laughs> that was the literally the only headline I saw was that Brad Keselowski announced the first pick. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, oh my God, stupid. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll cheer for Houston just because it's like the Dallas kind of affiliate. There's not really a Dallas team, but I didn't. There wasn't, I think I cheered for the Dallas Renegades in the XFL loosely. I mainly just watched that for the cup stacking snakes they did in the stands every week. That was that was funny. I do remember that. That was fun. Yes. I mean, that got millions of hits on ESPN and that drew everything for that for that league. So I will say for the for the for this USFL, for them to be successful, I think they I mean, I mean, overall, above anything else, you have to have good football Mm -hmm. on the field. Of course. And and that's, you know, it's kind of hard to come by when these guys are you know, for lack of a better term, kind of, you know, rejected NFL players. They're kind of rejects of football. Yeah. You know, Paxton Lynch was, he's been out of the NFL. He's now just coming back. I mean, I'm surprised Johnny Menzel hasn't jumped into this yet because well, he seems to hop in every single drew, league that He happens. drew a lot of eyes and what he did. I mean, he played terrible to be fair, but just the name Johnny Manziel brings back good memories for a lot of football fans from circa 2013 and 14. And you know what I forgot too about this whole league thing? Hmm. There's another league that I forgot about that was last year. So there was, there, there's been one every year. Okay. It was called fan control football. If you, yeah, did no. you hear about that? No, thank God. Sounds horrific. It was. It's a Johnny Manziel played for a team. I don't know how long it, it must have not have lasted long because after the whole like them making all the social media accounts and getting somewhat of traction on on general um, news outlets, it just fell off the park. Um, but Johnny Manziel played in it, and I think what it basically was, I never watched it, but it was an arena football league, and fans helped vote on the plays that were going to be called like via an app or something. So you'd vote on an app of what the next play the team should play was. I hate it was that. a really weird, like video game, real life crossover. And it must have failed. It awfully. had to have. I mean, but, that's not enjoyable for the players. The fans, only thing they get out of it's a little chuckle. Cause you know, it's like, let's say you're Chris. Uh, yeah. He's going to pull half back wheel the whole time. <laughs> it's like it's Madden. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm yeah. It's arena football. Yeah, it's like an app. You, you can Google it. There's literally an app that you vote on the plays. Like, it's literally like Madden. Like, there's like, you get like three or four play art options and you vote on what's next. And then I guess it gets relayed to the quarterback. And, and all the uniforms were atrociously awful. They were all full gradients. The teams were named like the Glacier Boys, the Wild Aces, the Zappers. That's terrible. The Beasts. Yeah. No. I remember seeing, I this remember. This is worse than fantasy football names. <laughs> Like, I remember on Instagram, I just saw, like, a couple posts about it. I was like, what is this? Some, like, fantasy football kind of, like, fantasy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, and I was, every every now and then I'd see it. I'm like, this is slowly, like, oh, this is a real thing. And I'm like, this is by far the dumbest. Like, I remember after watching the AAF, I was like, the AAF was a pretty straightforward NFL minor league clone. All the names made sense. The uniforms were semi, you know, professional looking. Then the XFL came out, and they were a little bit more UFC over the top-ish. 
You know, the uniforms were a little crazier. The names were a little wilder. And then you have fan-controlled football, which is just like, let's just throw everything in a blender and just see what we get out of it. That's, yeah. And, you know, it's you threw an ingredient that was not supposed to be in that smoothie or whatever uh, yeah. once or twice, like, and look, it didn't work out. Here's two of, like, the jerseys. Like, that's what they look like. That's horrific, like, bro. the zappers are just black with, like, the, the logo literally, it, it looks, the logos especially look like the creative franchise of Madden, which are already awful logos in the first place. Yeah. But that's what it all looks like. And it was just atrocious. I forgot about that. Johnny Menzel played in it too, which whatever that drew, that's probably the only reason it was even somewhat popular was because Johnny Menzel played in it. No, oh, for sure. The Crush. What are these other names? You become a virtual scout. Yeah, what the heck is this? No, I just give up a on it. Arena football fails anyway. And it then does. You try to do an own arena football, whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. The USFL will be interesting. And like I said, all they have to do to put for, they have to put forward a good football product. Don't mm-hmm. have players that suck, which you drafted Patch Singlinch, but at least he's a backup apparently because there was a second quarterback Correct. taken. So don't have him on the field. But Shea Patterson put on a good play, put on a good show, and uh, they score a lot of points. Have some fun. Maybe have some beer can snakes or uh, solo cup snakes, whatever it was, in the stands, and have some fans show up to the games. It'll be fun. I am worried though that if it's just going to be in Birmingham how many fans are going to show up because there's only so many people in, in Alabama yeah. that are going to travel there and they're not going to travel to every single no. game. I mean, there'll be, you know, people come watch just because it's, it's something been, new. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's a good marketing opportunity for some things, but I, I'm not expecting uh, crazy uh, numbers, you know, in attendance anyway. You know, first few games on TV, you'll probably get some high ratings. Yeah, Fox is doing, I think Fox and NBC, but Fox is like kind of like the overall sponsor of it. I think they're hosting a lot of the things. Yeah. A lot of like the Fox people I follow on social media, they're all like doing the coverage of it. So they have some traction, but I think I think it'll be interesting as long as it stays, you know, somewhat normal. Yeah. I don't know. We'll end up seeing it. But that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully we get Chris back next week. I think next week's going to be a fun one. I'm hoping to do, uh, Chris is going to have a NASCAR F1 trivia for us that we've been talking about. Yeah, that'd be cool. As well as uh, we'll do our annual NFL way too early predictions, you know. As soon as, I would have done it the day week after the Super Bowl, but yeah, um, Barry Boy is qualifying for a golf tournament at the moment, so he could come in. Will probably be week after that. Week after we have next week, and then we have spring break, and yeah. the week after yep. I believe is the week before the, t- the tournament starts that weekend. Okay, word up. Bracketology. So we will have a big bracketology. We'll have our March Madness stuff uh, on the ESPN games have that and we'll go through that pick our winners all that fun stuff so uh, yes, it's, sir. it's an exciting couple of weeks i'd say coming up today was just like a weird uh, you filler know, day but i think it worked out pretty well i mean i got to talk about motorsports which is my favorite thing in the world so i cannot complain yeah, we rarely sneak in i don't know if we've ever we've kind of talked indycar but not really any to any extent of no. anything yeah so no. that's it, always nice our to listeners got to learn a little bit today yeah then at some point we're gonna have to have a uh bold predictions for the Bahrain Grand Prix again, like we did last year, Joyous. start the season, and then talk about how Ferrari's winning the championship. Um, you know, of course, obviously. No. Lando Norris. Lando. Yeah. Hey, I mean, if Lando wins it, um, as long as it's not like over Charles, if Charles's car is just worse, it's whatever. I'll cheer for Lando to beat Max or Lewis. Just change it up every year. I'm not going to say anything until uh, until we get closer to the season. My silver lining is, though, if Mercedes is good for the 100th straight year, at least I can just cheer for George. Because I'd still rather have him win than Lewis. So That's fair. At least there's a. a I wasn't going to cheer for Valtteri because he wasn't going to do anything. But maybe George can stick it to him. Who knows? I don't but, know. Valtteri said something the other yeah, day. He literally, he literally yep. came out and said, 
I don't you're not think, beating Lewis in that co-op. I don't think anybody's going to beat Lewis until Lewis is either really old or retired. It's like, hmm, that's, well, that's fair. Maybe Russell has a few more years until he gets a couple race wins every year, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that'll do it for us today. Again, follow us on social media at OffTheBenchXLR on Instagram. You can see game picks from there. Well, no one game picks, but uh, March Madness picks, I guess. Uh, quotes, video clips, and everything else from the show. That is at OffTheBenchXLR. Follow us on our, on our podcasting network. So listen to this episode and all episodes from the previous three seasons. We are off the bench on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen. Just look up off the bench and look up all the episodes from this season and the previous two as well. Guys, remember to stay in the game and off the bench and have a good night.